Heavenly Father, we give praise to you for this new morning, this beautiful spring day that you've given us, and for the way that we see your glory displayed in the creation around us. We thank you, dear Lord, for the chance to gather together and reflect upon the path that you have called us to walk in, and we pray for your guidance and for your wisdom and for your insight, and Lord, as need be, for conviction and encouragement. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Marianne has uh, had a little bit of a setback yesterday, so um, Mary is over with her during this time. Hopefully she'll be uh, feeling better soon. Um, so last week we talked about, or, you know, this is our third week on the physical side of the marriage relationship. The first week we talked about the glory of it and just pointed to scriptures where you know we see um, that God designed this to be something really spectacular and um, one of the high points of human pleasure. But then last week we talked about how there are so many obstacles in uh, the sexual relationship. And uh, we went through a dozen or so obstacles that, that uh, often get in people's way. And there's always something. It, the fact is that this, um, this life itself is cursed and sex is part of life, so it's cursed as well. And uh, so, you know, it's not... It, it, it's like the sweat of your brow, like everything else. It doesn't just flow and, and I'm not saying it can't flow in a given time, but it, the, nobody has a smooth, delightful sexual relationship from the beginning of their marriage to the end, unless their marriage is very quick. And, um, and so um, that's what we talked about last week, all the different obstacles. And the last obstacle and the most important obstacle, the most significant obstacle is the relational baggage, the relational trouble that inevitably gets imported into the sexual relationship. Um, so it's, you know, it's, uh, we can't just expect to be at odds and intention with one another and for everything to go away um, when we climb into bed together. So um, those were the obstacles. Now today we're going to talk about the work. The work of, uh, you know, pushing against those obstacles, trying to remove those obstacles, putting in the toil that we always have to put in in order to, to be able to um, fulfill what God has called us to fulfill. And, uh, and you know, there, sometimes there's part of us that's like, if something requires effort, it's not worth it. Um, and really, good morning, really the sexual relationship in our day, there's so many who have chosen that path. Because you know, there's, the technology has opened up a world of um, f virtual sex where 
It's like you don't need to actually relate to a human being. You don't need the obstacles of, you know, trying to get along and trying to love and be um, and serve one another well. And, and you don't need all that. You can just satisfy yourself on your own. And, um, but, you know, the Christian, of course, is called to the hard work. Uh, which can which produces honestly a sexual relationship that can't be paralleled by what the world or any of these alternative kinds of fulfillment can produce um, even though it's easy and and quick and there's no other human being that you have to deal with um, it it just can't get you there in the same way. So, um, but first, I want to talk a little bit more about our story, about my relationship with my wife. And, uh, and um, because our relationship, you know, our relationship obviously affected our physical relationship, just like everybody else's. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about our relationship. Um, you know, we look, I look back now at times in our relationship and I say that we had a, a difficult marriage or a hard marriage. Um, but the fact is, I didn't feel that way at the time, necessarily. Now, there were times where it was obvious that it was hard, but... Um, but I look back now and I think that um, we were really failing when at the time it seemed like we were doing okay. And here's what was happening. Marianne was often complaining that I wasn't putting our marriage as a priority. From my perspective it seemed that she had unreasonable expectations, that she was looking for something from me that she could only get from God and that no matter how much I did no matter how you know hard I worked no matter how careful I was it, it was never going to be enough to satisfy her um, now at, sometimes she would say something that had a ring of truth, but I really didn't understand. She would say, she's not, she's not asking for more of my time, just more of my love. And I want to, I want to tell you that because at the time I thought that just didn't ring. I did, it didn't register with me. But now I believe that that's exactly, that she was completely right that uh, it's not that she was a bottomless pit. I thought she was a bottomless pit because no matter what I did, it didn't satisfy her. But I believe now that what she was looking for was something beyond anything I could do at that point because the problem was I just didn't love her enough. All I was doing is trying to work harder 
to please her, to satisfy her. But I really wasn't alert to the problem in my own heart that I just didn't love her enough. I didn't love her nearly as much as I loved myself. And so, um, in fact, and the fact is neither of us loved each other enough. And that really was our problem. It wasn't, you know, me being too busy. It wasn't me or, uh, you know, our financial pressures or anything else we were going through. We didn't love each other enough. Now, the problem is when you are satisfied with where you are, um, you're not going to be prepared for the next thing that comes along, that is the next storm that comes along. And Jesus said, build your house upon the rock so that when the storms come, you know, they'll beat against that house and it won't move. So there's a time when it's, you know, we can build on the rock when it, the storm's not coming. And, but the fact is it's very tempting in the sunshine to think your house is strong enough. To relate the analogy of marriage, it's very easy to think when any, everything seems to be going along fine that your marriage is strong enough. But then the storms come. And so the storms came for us. There, you know, first of all, it was one child after another, some of which were, you know, um, planned by us and some of which weren't. Um, but, but it adds burden, it adds pressure, it adds busyness, it adds stress. And, um, and then, you know, church problems started occurring. Um, really, you know, up until the late 90s, we'd only had a couple of really difficult church problems. But then it was like wave after wave after wave after wave. And... Um, and that combined with the pressures of our kids growing up made it very difficult um, and the fact is we hadn't built a strong enough house to withstand those storms um, you know if you if you live in a hurricane zone you know people buy houses in a place where hurricanes hit and if you do that you can have one of two attitudes you can say okay well we're going to build this house strong enough so that even if a hurricane comes it's going to stand firm or you can have the attitude well I hope hurricanes never come I mean those are those are two very different attitudes uh, you, there's no insurance that can rebuild your marriage so insurance, you can't bring that into the analogy here. You, you need a marriage that's strong enough to endure the storm. And what that means is, Jesus said, you know, learn to be faithful with the little things and then you'll be faithful with the big things. So 
you know, the way to build a strong marriage is to handle this, even when there aren't big storms, to handle the little things well. To deal with them well so that you're preparing yourself. Remember what, uh, when David had to fight Goliath. He was ready because he had fought a lion and a bear. God had given him these smaller foes. Now, if you or I fought a lion or a bear, that wouldn't seem like smaller foes. But for David, turns out, I'm sure when he was fighting them, he didn't feel like they were small foes. But it turns out that they were. So when the storms come, you know, learning to deal with them rightly, instead of just letting them blow over and trying to recover, which is so easy to do. But, but working through things, dealing with each other, if, you, if we can't solve it, getting help. Doing, going through struggles, going through storms in a godly way so that when we're done with the storm, we're both on the same page. Instead of, wow, I hope that never happens again. That's, that's uh, the way to prepare for the big storms. Okay, now let's get into a little bit more about the other kinds of work that, that uh, sometimes we're called to do in terms of having a successful sexual relationship. Um, and, you know, men and women are often different. Some, well, they're always different in some ways and often different in other ways. Um, one thing that, that uh, I've, I've been reading a book on women's sexual health, which has been very helpful. And, uh, and it talks about removing obstacles. That the key to um, sort of a woman's being, having the wherewithal, having the freedom, having the, the space to engage sexually in a happy way is to remove obstacles. And I think that a lot of times men don't realize the way that women are built. Um, removing stress is an important part of your wife being interested in having a sexual encounter. And, you know, that is not generally the way men think, but that's true. And, you know, knowing what is bothering her, even if it has nothing to do with you, it may have to do with the children, it may have to do with school, it may have to do with the house or whatever, but removing stresses, removing obstacles, um, this is a key part of dealing with, uh, you know, moving towards a happy sexual relationship. Um, this book says something along the lines that, you know, um, with a woman, in the end, you're really not making love to her sexual organs. You're making love to her brain. I think that's a pretty profound way to look, look at the whole thing. Um, and of course, this is not a Christian 
author, so um, you know there's there's not that dimension. But and so when she says brain, she means everything, soul and and everything. So um, you know we can enlarge it to say you know you're making love to the person, not the body. Um, and if you you know with a man, it's often more body focused. But with a woman, it's person focused. And so if we, if we neglect that, if we're blind to that, then we are um, barking up the wrong tree, if you will. Um, you know, um, she talked about one woman. They have, they have questionnaires, and one of the questionnaires is, what things turn you on? sexually and one woman wrote I'm turned I was turned I was turned on this week by coming in and seeing my husband giving my children a bath that was a turn on probably not what he had in mind but that was the point is it reached her in a way that was connected to her sexuality it made her want to be with him and celebrate him and cherish him. And uh, so that's the kind of thing. Um, I, I told my wife that. And then um, a few days later, I had, uh, while she was at work, I had gotten all the recycling together, which always bothers her because it just sits in places and gathers. It gets more and more and more. So. I had gotten it all together and brought it to the recycling and she came home and it was all gone. She said, that's what turns me on. <laughs> so, um, thinking in a different way is an important part of this. And of course, as Christians, we, uh, we have a redeemer. We have a helper. And so we can have the confidence that even though we're dense, that God will show us. If we really want to know, if we really want to see it, he will help us to see the things that we need to do and understand the keys that unlock. Um, now, there's no secret method of removing obstacles. It's really just the same kind of approach as every other thing in life, you know? You have a, uh, a child that wakes up one morning and he can't stand up. Like what happened to Simba a couple years ago. You know, what would you do? You, you wouldn't, you know, nobody trained you to how to do that unless you're a doctor. But, you, you know, we have, all of us, have the wherewithal. We would figure out what to do in that situation. We wouldn't just sit down on the floor and cry. We would start doing stuff, moving towards trying to address this problem. And so, and what about, you know, if your child turned two, had his second birthday and still can't speak one word? which is something that's happened to people in this congregation before. Again, it's like, okay, 
there's a problem. We address this. What do we do? Could there be, you know, what, how do we find out what the problem is? Um, you know, uh, a few years ago, Larry Poe woke up one morning and he looked and the things around him that are supposed to be straight, like, you know, the door, sides of a door and stuff, they were curved. Everything was curved. So what do you do if that happens? Now, again, I, nobody can write a book as to how to deal with every single problem that comes up, but part of becoming an adult is learning to deal with problems, or learning to problem solve. And many of them we can't figure out on our own, but we can figure out how to figure it out. And it's the same thing. We have to apply that kind of urgency when there's a problem in our marriages and a problem in our sexual lives. Instead of just, it, the Lord has convicted me, and maybe I shared this already, that for me it's so, been so easy in my life to, when a problem arises, to try to solve it, to give it a few tries, and then if, it's, if I can't succeed, then I basically blame the person who's causing this problem. And I just, I put it in a compartment, her problem. You know, if it's a marital issue. Instead of, you know, I would never do that if my child couldn't speak or if my vision was bent. I would, if I went to my doctor and he said, I don't know what's going on, but, but uh, you know, if, if you can live with it, just live with it. Well, honestly, I wouldn't accept that. I'd say, I've got to find out what's going on and find somebody, I gotta, if, if no one in the world knows, then that's fine. But if there's somebody that knows, I want to find that person. Um, by the way, if you ever hear, get to hear the story of Larry's, uh, Larry's vision, vision issue, talk to him about it. It's an amazing story. Um, and so in the same thing, don't just accept Obstacles. Don't just accept problems in your marriage, in your relationship. Um, re resolve, you know, have the same resolve, the same determination, the same commitment as you would with any, anything else. And even if it's out of love for your children and your grandchildren, work to deal with it. It's not... Um, is not enough. Now, you have to be patient, but you, you also can't be sinfully tolerant. There's a, there's a, a sinful contentment where you're content with things that you shouldn't be content with. Um, the first thing, of course, is to pray. And... Uh, And that is turning to the Lord and, and saying, Lord, you know, lead me to the answer to, to this. And then the second thing is to try to diagnose the problem, what's really going on here. That means, we've said, being a student, being an investigator, being a detective, um, 
You need to become a doctor of your marriage and a doctor of your spouse so that you are an expert at how they operate and you can um, you know, understand how to address things that come up. Um, it's the old saying, the old proverb, a stitch in nine saves, a stitch in time saves nine, which uh, the younger generation these days have basically consciously chosen to not remember and pass along the great proverbs of our society. So these things are now sadly failing, but that one, of course, is talking about you know, a rip in, your, in a piece of clothing and there's just one little loop maybe and if you fix it it's fi very easy and very simple but if you wait by the time you fix it there's nine stitches that you need a stitch in time saves nine you save nine stitches later and that's the way it is if you deal with things in a timely fashion instead of putting it off kicking the can down the street and you know that even the, that one is a popular proverb today, kicking the can down the street. And it's a great analogy because you know the fact is eventually you're going to have to bend down and pick that can up and figure out what to do with it. But if you spend all that energy just kicking it down farther, farther down the street, you have added to the issue of picking it up and dealing with it all the effort of kicking, swinging, and adjusting and walking in a crooked way to f catch up to the can. Um, and by the way, when I say it'll affect your children, it will not only affect your children, it will affect their adulthood. It will affect their marriages. It will affect their children. And that will affect your grandchildren and their marriages, and it goes on and on. So it's more than just a matter of, you know, your own, fixing your own problems. And as someone who's, you know, watching my children struggling with issues that have to do with my failures as a dad and our failures as a couple, you know, when we, let me just give you one example. We, we always marveled that our children never spoke meanly to each other. We didn't allow it in our home. But really, you know, they, they, you, you wouldn't hear a nasty word spoken one to the other. But now you do. <laughs> and you know why? It's because we tolerated things being said between my wife and I that gave them a model. So we may not have tolerated it, so they were afraid to get in trouble so they wouldn't say that, but we, we didn't model speaking gently even if another person speaks harshly. We didn't model self-control. We didn't model trusting in the Lord instead of panicking when someone else was angry with us or falsely accused us or whatever. And therefore, um, you know, what you, you, your actions speak louder than your words. 
So, anyway. And then our time's up, but just one more little thing, and that's that um, if even one of you perceives that your marriage has a problem, you need to accept that your marriage has a problem. It's very possible that neither of you, like in our case, thought that our marriage had a problem. She did most of the time. But, uh, but even, but it's certainly if one of you, and that, so that's this is something I'm trying to help you not to fall into the same trap as I did. It's that, you know, we both felt that we didn't have a marriage problem, we just had a spouse problem. I thought she was the problem, she thought I was the problem. The fact is we both had problems and we were blind to our own problems, but boy, did we see the other person's problems. So, don't, you know, if somebody's unhappy in the marriage, that's a red flag from the Lord to try to deal with it. Okay, now, um, why don't we do it this way? Mike and Debbie, you guys are here as a couple, so why don't you guys go off and talk on your own? I'm sure you can figure out from this good things to talk about. Um, you know, talk about things that hit you that might apply to you. Um, why don't we um, let you and your husband do the same if you can find him? He's hiding back there somewhere or wherever. Oh, there's a, I see that hand. <laughs> and uh, why don't the three of us to get together and we can talk about these things too. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these uh, important subjects to talk about. And we pray for your grace now as we discuss them with each other. May this time, O oh Lord, be positive and fruitful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.